0: i <laughs>
1: Oh, in His arms, we'll take a shield. Love will find the solace there. Oh, thank You, Lord, You are my solace. I believe in the risen one. I believe.
2: ahead and have a seat, everyone. Good to see you all this morning. Hope everybody's doing okay. And as uh, we get ready to move into our worship time together... I, I know last week we celebrated communion at the very beginning, and I don't know if that went well or not, but I got some feedback, and everyone seemed to think that was a good way to go, so we may change it up a little bit uh, as we go week to week. Uh, we're trying to develop this as uh, as we fly it. It's sort of like building the airplane as we fly it, uh, knowing that um, we're not really sure all of the conditions that Uh, are present that seem to be changing so often that it impact how we do what we do here. But the one constant I know is the Lord is on his throne no matter what you hear about uh, uh, anything otherwise and as we try to look for certainty in seemingly shifting stories and shifting narratives about what we're facing and what we're going through and how long it'll last and what it means... Let's just be honest, how many of you right now are just simply confused? (laughs) Okay, all right, me too. And I think that's a good reason why we should be in this room, is because there's so much that is going on in this book that is alive in the reality of God's church that is pretty clear, it's pretty straightforward, and it doesn't change. How we respond to what's going on around us, of course, is affected by what we understand here. And our job in this room is to be able to just establish ourselves in the things of God, no matter how broken, confused, and just simply messed up things are out there. This is a safe place. And so I want to just begin uh, our time together By inviting the Lord to be with us and if you have any prayer concerns for right now let's just put them on your uh, connect card or a piece of paper or something we're still even working on all of that Um, and as we do uh, we we appreciate your feedback in any way that we can uh, facilitate this process uh, we want to Uh, so let's just go ahead and invite the Lord into our midst would you bow with me our Father, as we begin our worship experience today, we want to set apart this time for you as we invite you into our lives, into this gathering, into our singing, into hearing the word, Lord. We thank you that you have been a faithful presence in the lives of each of us, both here and online as Those who gather uh, in front of their computers or TV sets are also experiencing in spirit uh, worship together with us, and we are grateful for that, that you don't have boundaries, Lord, that keep you from uh, moving from one place to another, but that wherever we call on the name of the Lord, we know that you are instantly and immediately present And it's so mind-boggling because of our own limitations to comprehend that. You are beyond everything that is here on this earth, yet you are immersed in every experience where you are invited. And we thank you for that. Father, as we begin our prayer time, I just want to lift up the people in our church who are going through their own struggles and trials. We want to pray for Jack Leeper as he recovers from his heart surgery. And just ask, Lord, that you would continue to just sustain him in, uh, in this healing process. We thank you, Father, that you have been with loved ones that we prayed for uh, in the past weeks and months. And for good reports of your faithful presence and your healing hand in lives. And I know there are also ongoing concerns that we have for people that we love, like Linda Martin. We pray that you continue to heal her. And I pray, Father, for a friend who has uh, a a close um, person in their lives with liver cancer. I just pray, Father, for healing for that person and for strength and for your grace and peace to be uh, uh, upon him. I pray father that as uh, we take everything that is going on in the world and we try to make sense of it and it seems the more we do the more confused we get help us to just have permission to detach a little bit from all of that and to just recognize that right now we see through a glass dimly we cannot fully comprehend what is happening whether it's in the unseen realm In the political realm in the economic realm or just in our daily lives but we do know this father you are faithful and present in the lives of people who claim you to be Lord and that is all we need to know you provide our daily bread you help us to live within a realm called your kingdom where the rules that are outside of that kingdom don't apply in the same way where you as we wake up each day offer new mercies you take care of your children no matter what is going on in the outside world you are our hiding place you are our shelter in the time of storm and we are confident that our trust is not misplaced so as we gather lord we want to feed on your word we want to hear your spirit speak to our lives with even greater conviction we pray father that as we trust you and lean on you that we would also find to the degree that we can in our interaction with others uh, your voice in their lives speaking through them to us as we encourage one another as we just share with one another and engage with one another. We pray for your protection to be upon our people. We pray for an end to that which is keeping us isolated and keeping us uh, locked in worry and fear. We pray that your perfect love would prevail. Lord, I just lift these things up to you. I'm grateful on so many fronts for so many things that in this season... We see you doing. And we just pray for our church that we would be found faithful. And as we offer that prayer, I just ask that you would pray with me now the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, well, we're gonna move into uh, the next installment of the message series that we're doing on, um, uh, on, on virtual, virtually reality. And we're looking at the various parables that Jesus spoke that I think in a very timely way speak to you and I. And in trying to make sense of it, a lot of times we have to relate ancient stories to uh, current events or current experiences. And hopefully in that way, our spiritual imaginations kind of come alive. So let me just ask a question. How many of you have heard of Mr. Popiel? or Ronco, or Home Shopping Network. Okay, so that probably strikes a chord a little bit more than the Vegematic, the Pocket Fisherman, the buttoneer, the, let me see if I, I I wrote down a couple of these. Um, The, uh, of course, smokeless ashtray probably isn't such a big seller anymore. Um, the electric food dehydrator. How many of you ever been to a garage sale and seen an electric food dehydrator or a pocket fisherman? How many of you have seen... uh, Let's see, which one? I'll just say this. My hair is thinning on top a little bit. How many of you have seen... The GLH-9 Hair in a Can. You guys, you know that one, right? All you got to do is just spray it on every day and no one knows any different. How many of you are still using Hair in a Can? Don't raise your hand. All right, well, if you're like me, maybe you were, you were literally reeled in by the pocket fisherman or the hair in the can or the food dehydrator. But if you're also like me, you found at a later point in life, you've got a lot of stuff that you thought would be very important for your existence that you hardly ever used. And now you just have to manage it. You have to store it. You have to take care of it. You have to, in a lot of ways, serve it. And it's just the miracle of modern marketing that reels us in in such a way that we make these decisions that are so impulsive without really thinking through what those decisions mean for us. Now, when Jesus called us to be his disciples, he said, think it through very carefully because if you are not committed, I'm not sure you're you're following the right person. And that's a pretty dramatic thing to say. Uh, I want to read a passage of Scripture from Luke chapter 14, and I, ask, I want you to have in the back of your mind a question. If Jesus was a salesman, would this be a very compelling uh, um, sales pitch ...for what he's trying to offer. So if you have your Bibles with you, feel free to look. Uh, If you're online, uh, just take a minute, find Matthew chapter 14. And uh, we're turning to verse 25 and following. And here's what's going on. Jesus is just interesting enough... ...that the things that he's saying are causing people to gravitate into his orbit. And as they do, he has to speak to something that perhaps will cause some of them to fall away. And here's what he says. In, in, in these words from uh, Luke, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. <laughs> Already, I'm sure people are like, huh? And then, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise... When he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to make fun of him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or, what king going to war? Going out to, uh, w- what, what king? Let me make sure I'm in the right spot here. What king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who come against him? with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends del- a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he, can't, all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it has lost its, its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, okay, so if Jesus is trying to sell you something, and those are the words that he's using, uh, would you say that he ranks pretty high on the scorecard of effective sales pitch? Because, no, he said three things there, the same thing over and over. He cannot be my disciple. He cannot be my disciple. He cannot be my it's almost like he's trying to scare people away isn't it and that one about hating his family that could be a deal breaker right out of the gate and if you're new to this experience a lot of this needs a little bit of explanation so that you can understand what is going on here and put it into a larger context and maybe it won't be quite so inflammatory it is really a statement about commitment. I mean, sure, we can buy those gadgets and gizmos on TV, but oftentimes our commitment is a little lacking whenever we realize just how how much effort it takes to cook that wonderful thing out of the Instapot. Pot. We have an Instapot, Pot, and I can assure you, it cooks well, but it takes about an hour to put all the ingredients in, to, pressure cook them, to then stir them, and then pressure cook them again. It's a lot of work. We have an Instapot that just collects a lot of Insta-dust, and we just leave it up on the shelf most of the time. It would have been nice if they just said, kind of Instapot, but not really. Then I would have said, you know what? I can deal with that. It's created an expectation in my mind that this is what I have in store for me if I go this route. Well, a lot of you are here because Jesus is definitely on your mind. And I think uh, as I was driving through uh, a small town the other day and I saw the, the marquee of a church and it just simply said this, read your Bible for survival. Now, I never thought I would be living in a moment where read your Bible for survival really resonated so deeply. But because we are getting so many signals that are so confusing, we need at least one place we can go to, right? Where we can say, I can count on this even if I can't count on anything else. I mean, I have a, a friend whose in-laws were diagnosed with COVID-19 uh, a couple of weeks ago. And after uh, uh, one of them went to the hospital and, of course, went through all the protocols, uh, they were tested a few days after that and discovered that, well, it turns out they didn't have it after all. And you you find yourself very confused by all of this, wondering Why is it that you hear stories that are so mixed in what they have to say? And the reality is, I don't know what to make of any of it, but I do know that vulnerable populations are clearly on my mind. But I also realize that trusted institutions and sources, they're not so trusted anymore or trustworthy. And when people start to line up behind Jesus... There's a couple of things on the mind of the different groups of people. One is some of them want to attach to Jesus, but they don't really want to be committed to Jesus. It's sort of like being in a, in, in a marriage or part of a, an organization. Yeah, I'm attached to that or I identify with that, but I'm not really committed to that. And there are a lot of people today who have that notion of, I want to be attached to something that has to do with Jesus. And it's more about a sense of maybe personal security. Perhaps it's just prestigious to go to a certain church and say, yeah, I'm attached to that. But when Jesus looks into the eyes of the people that are following him, and he recognizes that many of them are starting to attach to them. And there's nothing wrong with attachment. But he's saying, if you're going to attach, you also need to commit. And that's, that's really the place where a lot of these people were finding themselves. And in a timely way, he said this. It's kind of an either-or thing. You are either following me or you're not really following me, even though you are physically attached to being in my presence. And that's an interesting statement because in the United States for so long, people would say there's a small bevy of people that are strongly committed to atheism or agnosticism. And on the other end of the continuum, there is a small group of people that are diehard, sold-out Christians. And people who do statistics will say that based on the questions that we ask, there's a big sort of band in the middle of people who would say, I'm a believer but when you drill down into the level of commitment to that attachment, they would say, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I do, but it's not really something that I take that seriously. And they, Christian demographers would call that sort of the lukewarm group. And recently, uh, there, was a, there was a global poll that involved about 40,000 people asking the question about the level of commitment that they had. And you know what they discovered? was that in the times that you and I are in that middle group of sort of moderate kind of on the fence sort of thing is shrinking and it's shrinking they say because the moment that you and I are in is actually requiring us to take sides we're either for the faith and we're and we're, and we're committed to it. And it is, really, it is a matter of survival. It is a matter of sanity. It is a matter of knowing that the deity that is our Father God, that is embodied in the person of Jesus, is a real living presence in our day-to-day lives. And these conditions are requiring me to sink deeper into that allegiance? Or it's a matter of, yeah, I didn't really believe it that much anyway, and I don't really see the role that it can play in my life. And tragically, it may be because they were never shown how to do it. And that's the scary part. Now, I have a... I have a favorite YouTube site that I go to and it has to do with a guy that spends a lot of time working with tractors and skid steers and end loaders and backhoes. I just love it. And then he'll repair something. And I'm just like, I'm just like awestruck. He doesn't really talk much, but I just watch him do what he does. And the commenters that this guy has, I don't know if all these men have a man crush on this guy, but I'll tell you what, they're just like, dude, you're phenomenal. The work that you do and the way that you show the camera placement on what, what it is that you're attacking and the fact that you, you have a lot of heart and we never hear you swear, ever. And he, he doesn't comment much, comments, but what he says is occasionally somebody will say, I never hear you swear, and he, and he just simply says, you know what, if I stick to something it tends to work out after a while, and besides, I don't see the point in swearing, and that's all he says. <laughs> he's, and that's, I think, the other reason why he's so appealing. Unlike myself, who tends to use a lot of words, he just doesn't say much. But he does a lot. And in watching him, not necessarily do the heavy equipment thing, but he'll do other things like repair something small or tackle something that is oriented towards the home. And I watch him, and I'm like, you know what? He's so good at showing the process. I could do that. And I've actually tackled a few things that I never would have done had I not seen this individual do it. And I can't help but think as a pastor, as a father, as a friend, who's trying to showcase commitment, I just hope that I have more opportunities in the course of my life to be able to show it perhaps more than just simply say it. And if I say it, hopefully say it in a way that is memorable and it's something you can carry with you. Jesus didn't really say long uh, discourses that were deeply philosophical, but he thought through, very carefully what it was he did say based on just a lot of pondering, a lot of awareness of the Old Testament and the awareness of what God needed him to do in the moment. And he just said a few words. And the thing that I admire about that is that every word that we read in these ten verses is there for a reason? When the scripture says, if he doesn't hate his father or mother, that one tripped me up for a long time. And what Bible translators will say is, it's not really the kind of hate where you have an anger or animosity towards somebody. It's actually a word that's not translated that well, which means in contrast to something. And in Genesis 29, we read a passage of Scripture where a man named Jacob ended up with two wives. One was Leah and one was Rachel. And it turns out that the Scripture says um, Jacob um, loved Rachel more than Leah. And it was that contrast of love. He had a greater love for Rachel than than he did for Leah. It is that one is more important than the other in his own eyes. Now, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that out of the gate, it's probably sketchy trying to take on that situation. But let's just leave it at that and come to the conclusion that actually what he's saying is he's not against the family. He's not against relationships. What he's for is prioritizing him And then allowing all of those relationships and that priority to work out in their appropriate way. When I was about 19, I went in and I had a conversation with my dad, who was not a Christian, and I told him, I said, Dad, I'm going to go to Bible college. And his response was sarcastic, and he said, Why would you do that? Why would you waste your life doing that? I can't tell you how crushing that was because my thought was I've always wanted to make my dad proud of me and this obviously upset him. And I had to go think about my response and it took me about about a minute and I said, I can't explain it to you, Dad, but I, this is something that I have to do. And I didn't feel supported at all in the decision from him. And I felt like it was a disappointment to him. And quite honestly, um, it, it was a little crushing for me because it was obviously something that required me to make a choice. Now, time has a way of wounding all heals, and it has a way of healing all wounds, and in this case, it was interesting that even though he wasn't on board, eventually he started to be supportive, even to the point of saying, I don't agree with it, but because you're doing it, I'm behind you. And it went from sarcasm to mild support and interest to eventually coming to a place where, well, I was able to baptize him. And I think that is exactly what Jesus is saying. That greater commitment will actually flow down into your other commitments in such a way that it will take on that flavor and those commitments will be affected by that now i can tell you that hopefully i I lived it consistently enough though not perfectly enough and anyone who feels like you have to be perfect as a christian is is a little misguided in your understanding of what it is really what god is looking for is that our heart's intent is consistently oriented towards him And we'll make mistakes along the way, but we constantly have to go back to, that is my true north. And that's all we would ask for anybody. But that really is kind of the issue here. What is your true north? You see, he's challenging that a little bit by saying, if your family's your true north, it's not going to work. If your things are your true north, it's not going to work. And just exploring the two little illustrations that he uses, one is a guy who builds a building, and he doesn't count the cost of what it is going to require time-wise, energy-wise, and resource-wise. Have you ever gone into a, a, a community or a place and you've seen, you've seen a half-finished building that has start to be overgrown? And a part of you just says, I wonder why they didn't finish it. And in some cases it was because maybe the contractor is like me and they had ADD and they just couldn't quite follow through on it. But even the Lord can redeem that to a place where if you value something enough, you'll see it through. And Jesus is saying... You better think it through if you're going to make a commitment. Because it will cost you. If you can't do that, it's not going to work. And then he says, not only should you think it through, but sometimes you better think through the other side of it. King goes to war, sizes up what the other king has to offer, recognizes that he doesn't have enough, and he figures out that Going to war is not such a good idea. That the king just doesn't want to, he doesn't want to go there. And as Jesus is trying to capture the imagination of, of his friends, what he's essentially doing is saying all of this means is that you have to carefully go through your hole catalog of what your existence means to you and ask the question do I do I do I fit at the top of your priorities he not only says you should he should fit at the top of his relational priorities but in telling this he says um, in verse 33 so therefore if any one of you does not renounce all that he has. He cannot be my disciple. He says, I have to be a priority in your relationship. And I have to be a priority in your things. Well, we're Americans. We have a lot of things. And what Jesus is saying, if you're wondering where this is going, he's not saying that you have to give it all away. He's saying that you have to give it up to him. And you know I've discovered being a potential hoarder, I have a lot of things. But when he's at the apex of my priority, I recognize that a lot of those things just don't even fit anymore a lot of them are going into that garage sale right next to the Mr. Popiel pocket fisherman and buttoneer because I just don't—I don't need it. It doesn't align with what's important to me as a follower of Jesus. But I don't know if that's what he's getting at entirely as much as is that thing getting in the way of your commitment to the Lord. Now, we, we have a piece of property that, we, that, that, that Christian bought next door to ours, and we went together in on a tractor, which is just way cool, by the way. Uh, I, I just, you know, it just brings out something inside of me. And that's just one thing amongst other things that I bought over the years. And the question has always been when I bought something that really meant a lot to me, in the back of my mind is the Lord saying, Yes, it's important. But is it more important than now I I'm a motorcycle rider formerly because my wife said if you're gonna buy a tractor, the motorcycles have to go. I have priorities in my relationships, and Jesus is at the top for sure, but there is a person named Amanda that does have a lot of authority in my world that I don't always try to let know that she has that level of authority, but if Amanda says, you got to sell bikes to get the tractor, well, I'm selling bikes, so I put my motorcycle on Craigslist, and I get all kinds of responses. I had a guy show up, and he said, because I asked him, I said, you know what you're buying? He says, oh, sure. He looks at it, and he says, it looks bigger than I thought it was, because this adventure bike is kind of tall. And it looks more powerful, too. And I just said to him, I know you're interested in buying this bike, but if it's too big, and it is too powerful i'm telling you and you're and you're second guessing it right now don't buy it and he thought about it and he thought about it now my wife wasn't in earshot so i could tell him that she would have just said just sell the thing but i'm like no this doesn't work this guy's going to kill himself so then i got another guy he's older than myself, and he hasn't ridden bikes since a kid, and he's looking at it, and he says, I don't know. I, I, this is what I'm going to be doing on this bike. And the conditions didn't match what the bike was capable of doing. And I said, friend, I don't think this is a good idea for you. And so here I am, going back to my wife, saying she'll be saying, did you sell the bike and all I could say was well after we got done talking they weren't as interested finally I found a buyer and he shows up and he says I I, I've ridden bikes like this this is a little bit more bigger than more powerful than what I what I'm used to but I've I I think I'm leveling up and I said are you sure (laughs) like an idiot because I'm never make it in sales I'd be starving I'd be you know at the mercy of the church to provide for my family and and I said are you sure and he said I I think so I said do you have a helmet he said not right now I said if I give you mine will you wear it yes and then i said will you take a motorcycle safety training course and learn risk assessment because if you're a biker you got to ride smart know that these are certain conditions that elevate your chance of having an accident the big one is drinking and riding the second one is not wearing protective gear the third one is not understanding road Conditions. and the list goes on and on, and I said, in your head, you have to have a map of all of those things, and you have to decide the level of risk, I said, there's a lot more to this than you think, but you'll notice, I've ridden for years, and I only have one broken bone from it as a seventh grader, uh, I ride to stay alive, and if you're not willing to do that, I'm not willing to sell you the bike, he's on the fence about that, He goes to pay me the cash, and he's short a couple of 20s, and his dad's over there, and he says, I'll go get the, I need to go get the 20s off of my dad. I'll be right back. I said, hold on a minute. If you are willing to go through a motorcycle training course, I'll just say forget about the blah, 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 (laughs) and He said, he, see, see, there's the Lord and there's Amanda. This is why a person like me can never get away with anything. So I told the dude, I said, if you take this course, get your training, and his dad was right there. I said, right, dad? Dad's like, hmm I'll knock the 40 bucks off the bike. And he says, okay, I'll, I'll do it. So send me a picture later on, love the bike, doing what, I, but what you asked me to do, it's all good. Now that in a, in, in a nutshell is really what Jesus is saying. All right, let's do the math here carefully. He's not saying get a motorcycle, he's not saying get a tractor, that's really between you and your wife and the Lord, or whoever. But he is saying this, think it through. Because it is a commitment that demands nothing short of total allegiance. And that allegiance will only grow if it's more than just attachment. And I think God is actually taking us through a moment where he's sifting all of us. And he's kind of laying us all open and he's asking us the question... Are you locked down in fear? Is your fear healthy and risk management oriented? Are you trusting me in light of everything that's going on? Or are you trusting all of the confused voices out there? Is your personal house in order like it needs to be in order? Because where it is in disorder, it's going to come back and get you. And God's saying that to the church right now. Because it's happening to all of us, and it's happening to everyone out there. And the good news is, we have an answer to the thing that they need the most. And it's not a commitment to the Bible as much as it is a commitment to the Lord who speaks through the Bible. And that's a little bit different thing. And I wonder if you're hearing his voice today, because he's calling all of us into a way of life that actually, initially, I thought, well, I just got to give up a lot. But what I discovered was, I've just bundled into my life a whole lot more than I've ever had. And it's called being blessed despite everything. I'm not saying I don't have trials, I don't have struggles, but I am saying this. Whatever those things are, he gets us through it. His promises tell us so, and we learn to trust that voice over and above any other. Do you trust that voice as he's speaking to you today and calling all of us to either commit or renew our commitment? Because the moment that we're in is asking us such a question. Well, I just want to end in prayer, and then we're going to move into our time around the Lord's table. And hopefully as we do, God is is clearly at work in your lives father we are so thankful that as we've heard your word through your son it's given us clarity regarding our allegiance if we're merely attached lord move us into commitment and if we're just looking to attach to you lord or maybe we're just asking questions Just move us a step closer into the reality of the things that we don't fully understand yet. And then reveal to us where we are at in our relative connection to you so that we can learn to trust you more, depend upon you more, and see so much more in our lives that through the eyes of faith become so obvious. Lord, I pray that you help each of our people here, those who are gathered in spirit online, to move in that direction towards you. And I just thank you, Father, for being with us. I pray that what I've said brings you glory. Amen. Amen. <laughs> we take our communion together hopefully when you came in you saw the little cups at the table outside the door if you need to take a minute and go out and grab one uh because you you didn't see it or forgot or whatever please please feel free and as you do that um just want to give you a quick instruction on covid style communion If you just take the whole thing and carefully hold it in your hand so you don't spill it on yourself and just peel the whole wrapper off with with your two hands. And with your third hand, you (laughs) you put this in that hand and you peel this part off, which can be a little challenging. But I heard a sermon about commitment a while back, and if you stay committed and ask God for help, He will help you. If that help is divine, supernatural intervention, that's great. If that help is saying to your neighbor who you live in the same house, house with, can you help me? Then that's also how the Lord provides. Well because that was less than five seconds. We're good. Well, we finally got to a place where, (laughs) through some struggle, we've been able to come to his throne. And we're getting ready to take this together. It means a lot to each of us in a variety of ways. But I would just say, as we take the loaf and the cup, Just think of him and whatever he's prompting you to do or think about, think of that. Lord Jesus, just bless this loaf and this cup as we're reminded of our covenant commitment to you and bless everyone here as we take it together.
1: But you have never Jesus, you're still enough.
2: get ready to go, just like to thank our people online for joining us. I know sometimes there's some lag on YouTube whenever we post it. It doesn't always show right away. We're competing with 10 million other churches right now to take up their bandwidth. So just keep that in mind. But if you do want to connect with us, uh, the digital platform is really probably the best way or texting or email. Uh, That's kind of how we hold it together. Uh, In this time. Or just old school phone call. That works too. Well, just would like to ask uh, the Lord to go with us. So would you bow with me and we'll ask his blessing. Father, I just pray that the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ would be upon our people. Whether here or afar. I pray that you would go with with us into a very uncertain world. And I pray that your provision would be expressed as daily bread in whatever form we need. And I pray, Father, that your peace that passes all understanding would be upon your people. And as a result, I just ask that our witness would be pure and it would be bright and it would be many actions and words that apply. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.